You're listening to audio from Journey Bible Church. Join us every week for sermons from God's Word by subscribing to this podcast wherever you like to listen most. If you would like to connect with us, head to journeybible.org connect. Good morning. For those of you that might be a guest, my name's uh, Mike Bickley, and I, I serve Jesus on staff here at Journey. And as a church, you know, we want to help people find Jesus and follow Jesus. And um, this morning, we're going to do a, a short, begin a short two-week series on gratitude and the idea of learning how to cultivate a grateful heart, a thankful heart. And so we believe that's one of those great privileges we have as followers of Jesus. Um, so much in our lives has been impacted by him that we can be thankful in any and every circumstance. Now, as you can probably tell by the color of my hair, because I don't color it, that I'm not that young. I'm an, uh, what I would call a cold era child. Um, and cold war might be a better way of saying it. How many of you remember the cold war? Okay, that was the the time of conflict between the ideologies of democracy and communism, Marxism and freedom, between tyranny and self-government. And one of the great symbols of the Cold War era was the Berlin Wall. Um, Berlin was divided um, uh, after World War II into two parts, East and West Berlin. And it's, Berlin sat in the middle of what would become East Germany, which would become a part of the Soviet bloc countries. And so there was this island of freedom, West Berlin, in the middle uh, of uh, East Germany. And they put a wall all the way around it. Um, not uh, to keep the East uh, Germans out, supposedly, but to keep the East, uh, the West Germans in. And that, that, that part of West Berlin was actually controlled by the Brits, the Americans, and the French. And, uh, and so it, it was completely surrounded. Um, and if you've ever seen pictures of the wall and uh, the buildings uh, of Berlin, um, you know, there was this wall that was very tall and very thick, but then there were these large segments of land between civilization and the wall where booby traps existed and mines existed and anti-tank traps and all kinds of ways, uh, towers where machine guns could be brought out to shoot people that might be trying to flee over the wall. And, and as a, a physical barrier, the wall... Um, had entry and exit points for travel that was regulated. And, it, and so th they had all of these things. And even though the wall uh, was a barrier that was supposed to prevent movement, people um, would escape from East Germany to West Germany. And you, you may not be able to see this picture because it's old, but right there flying through the air is a four-year-old and his dad has just thrown him out the window because the, the building is in East Germany, and right across the wall is West Germany. And there, there's a citizens, West German citizens, the free citizens, holding the net to catch this four-year-old that his father has thrown from the fourth floor. And his dad is preparing, because he's the next, out the window and over the wall. One of the most famous pictures is of uh, an East German soldier 
who is running for his life to cross the barrier of barbed wire to move from the east to the west. Now, we were told um, by the Soviet bloc countries and the Soviets that the whole point of the wall was to keep fascism from spreading into the east countries. It was, it was promoted by them as a way to protect their people. But in reality, what it was doing is it was preventing the East Germans from finding freedom. And this was what was sold to them. In the West, they called it the wall of shame. It became the symbol of the Iron Curtain that separated the Western democratic societies from the Soviets. It symbolized, most of all, lost freedom. Now today, you and I, we don't face a physical wall to our freedom as much as we face a spiritual wall to our freedom. Many of us have erected spiritual barriers that keep us from experiencing the freedom that God intends for us. And one of the areas where there's a great battleground taking place um, in your heart it is that exactly a heart, and it has to do with whether you're going to be a thankful person or a thankless person, whether you're going to be a person of gratitude or a person of ingratitude. See, there are barriers that we erect in our heart that are promoted by the evil one as a way to protect us from the pain of living in a broken world as broken people. And what happens, in reality, he deceives us into believing that they will protect us from the pain. And the whole idea behind these barriers that you and I are deceived into erecting in our heart is they actually keep us from the freedom God desires for us and the thankfulness and the joy and the blessing that we could experience if we didn't live under those deceptions, under those traps of the devil that want to keep us from experiencing God's best. So this morning, I want us to identify some of the barriers to a thankful heart. Some of the walls that, that we erect, some of them come very naturally and very willfully, and some of them creep in over time, and we may come to a point in our life where later we realize that they exist. But I'd like to identify some of these. And there are things that keep us from the good that comes from having a heart that is thankful to God. One of the marks of a person whose life is ruled and run by the Lord is they're thankful. And they're thankful especially in the midst of struggle. The word heart in the Bible speaks to the control center of your life. It's the place where your choices are made. A heart, a mind, a will. Those words are often used synonymously to describe this idea that you and I respond to the world in which we live by making choices. And we make choices out of our heart. And the condition of our heart determines the types of choices that we often make. So much like the physical heart pumps blood throughout the body so that oxygen can get and health can, can remain. The, 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 the spiritual heart is the same kind of center. It's the one that out of health will come health, and out of disease will come disease, just like our physical hearts. 
If you need to, think of it this way, because some of you are more technical than you are biological. How many of you are more technical than biological? How many of you know more about your phone than your body? Okay, that's what I'm asking. So think about this. Think about this, right? You would never want to willingly let your computer get a virus that would steal your identity. Amen? You wouldn't let it run in your computer's operating system. And yet all the time, we're running viruses in our heart that are there to steal our true identity as a redeemed and forgiven follower of Jesus Christ a son and daughter of the king. So in the Bible, you and I are encouraged and even commanded to give God control of all of our life, not just parts of our life. We are to search out our hearts to see if we're erecting these barriers, if we are finding ways to live that are wrong according to God's design. And then God wants us to search those out, to expose ourselves to his truth, and then delete the viruses that are running in our souls. Psalm 139, 23 and 24, at the end of this beautiful psalm that speaks to the sovereign design of God and his, his understanding of all that goes on in our lives from beginning to end, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way ever, everlasting. Let me pray that God would do that for us this morning. Father, I pray right now that you would search us, that you would know our hearts, that you would know our thoughts, that you would expose us to the reality of the ways that we think and feel that are different than, Lord, the reality in which we live so we ask, God, that you would help us to see if there be any viruses running in our operating system, if there be any barriers erected in our heart, any walls that we've put up, Lord, that we have been deceived into believing will keep us from more pain when actually they're keeping us from more freedom. We ask that as you reveal these things to us that you would help us to move toward change. God, we are grateful that you never give up, that you never forsake us, to walk with us through all things at all times in all ways and that we can be thankful. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. So the first barrier, um, and, and I'm gonna give you four. Um, there, there are probably dozens in scripture. I'm just giving you four. The West Campus and the Central Campus, we're preaching the same outlines and and uh, we looked at it together and, and came up with a list of barriers. And I chose these four for us um, to talk about. Um, and these are, the first is just a hurting heart. And, th and this is where a barrier gets erected because we feel agony in our lives. We feel crushed by our circumstances. We feel despairing because of our lives. Or we, we have things happen to us that, that cause us just to have an immense amount of pain or hurt. Psalms tells us over and over that God is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. In other words, God draws near to the people that are in the greatest affliction 
in the greatest agony. And his longing is to come close to us, to draw close to us in our brokenness and our pain and let it become an avenue, a pathway in which he can work deep things within our souls. But many times when we are in pain, instead of drawing near, we push away. Instead of grabbing and running to the Father like the song said, we, we tend to insulate ourselves. We tend to put up a wall because of the disillusionments and the disappointments and the unmet expectations. We feel like we have to shelter ourselves. We have to pull back from God in these moments. And what happens is the hurts to our heart turn it into a hurting heart. And you and I want to find a way to control the pain. And you know, as we go into the Thanksgiving holiday, many of us are going to find this agonizing reality that as we gather with our families, old hurts are going to resurface. The loss of a loved one who's not with us for the first time is going to bring pain. Many of you are going to be enduring what some call forced family fun. You're going to deal with sibling rivalry and in-laws who are just insensitive. You're going to walk into a home where sarcasm and cynicism and constant jabbing is taking place, where people put others down to promote and elevate themselves. You're going to have to deal with the pain of unresolved conflict. You're going to have to deal with deep hurts that you may have buried for years. So our first barrier, the first trap, the first deception of the devil is that we must let our hurt needs be the dominant force that tells our heart what to do. We focus too much on the hurts and the pain. And then we insulate ourselves and we withdraw from God's way of looking at things. A hurting heart can become a barrier that's erected that keeps us from having a thankful heart. Another barrier is a haughty heart. And here, the idea of being stubbornly prideful, being arrogant, that's the way I'm gonna handle this brokenness. That's the way I'm gonna deal with this hurt. That's the way I'm gonna live in this world. I buy into the fact that I'm the only one who's going to take care of me. I'm the only one who's going to put me first. I'm the only one who will take care of Mike. No one else is going to do this. This is my life, and I'm going to do it this way, and I'm going to use it for me. That is the barrier of a haughty or prideful heart. Proverbs 18, 12 says, Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. But humility comes before honor. See, we're deceived into believing that the way out of pain is having more control and more forcefully asserting our will in ways. Humility is submission to God's will and trust in God's promises. It's seeing yourself in light of who God is. It's seeing the world in light of God's grand narrative for what's really taking place. And when we are arrogant, when we are prideful, when we are haughty, when we have to have our own way to get our own desires, 
It says we're headed to destruction. We're headed for a downfall. We're headed to a place we really don't want to go. And this Thanksgiving is going to be full of all kinds of challenges. Because you know, as well as I do, when you gather, there's not only forced family fun, but then the games begin. And we all know the games people play, the little innuendos and the belittling and the sarcasm and a quick setting up of the pecking order that might even be demonstrated by who sits where at the Thanksgiving table. There will be all kinds of phrases used that are triggers for your soul. You'll witness a constant flow of dysfunction. And the devil's going to tempt you that pride for self-preservation and protection is the best thing that you can do. That pride is better for protection than humility. A hurting heart, a haughty heart, and our next barrier is a half-hearted heart. Saying, okay, the hurt's too much. Not only am I going to pull back, not only am I going to insulate myself, I'm not going all in anymore. God, I'm not going all in. This is, it's not working. This stuff you tell me, uh, it just doesn't work. The stuff your Bible tells, it just doesn't work. I have too much pain. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of put my spiritual life over here, and I'm going to put my relationships over here. And, and I will do what you say between you and me, but when it comes to having it overflow into the way that I live, into the way that I relate, into the way that I deal with the pain of this broken world, I just can't do it. It's too much. I feel too exposed. I feel too vulnerable. I feel too unprotected. And the devil deceives us into thinking that putting on the face, smiling outside while you're ticked off inside, is going to make life a whole lot easier. Psalm 12, 2 talks about what, ha what happens when people who are loyal and faithful in a community disappear. And it says, everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart is how they speak. They're being deceitful. They're tricking people. They're playing a game. And oftentimes we become the very person who ticks us off the most. And we begin to do the same thing. We've had so many people let us down that we become one of those who becomes untrustworthy. We become a person with a double heart, not a heart wholly committed to doing life God's way when things get hard, but a heart that buys into the world's way. And we say we're fine when we aren't. We say nice things when we're full of spite. And we push people away when we really want them to draw close. Watch what happens this holiday season. Watch how plastic and insulated and protective all of us can become. Watch how your own heart wants to do things the way the world says to do it. Man, I need to hold on to this grudge. I can't let go of this. Can you see how that person pretends they had no idea what they've ever done? I need to punish this person. I need to make them hurt because they don't have any idea how much I'm hurting. So I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them how much they need to hurt. I must assume the worst about them because surely they're assuming the worst 
about me. See, the devil deceives you and I into staying away from going all in with God's plan for our lives. He wants your heart divided. He, he wants you to be half-hearted. He doesn't want you to go all in in the way that you live your life, especially in relationships with others. He wants to deceive you into believing that holding out on God is the best protection you can find against pain and hurt and agony in our broken world full of broken people. Devil wants you to have a whatever attitude and not work on things, but give up. To give up on people, and most of all, to give up on yourself. To believe you're stuck. And you are where you are, and you're never going to change. The devil wants to deceive you and I with these barriers. Not to protect the good of God from flowing in. He wants to erect these barriers in our hearts so that you and I will be deceived into not experiencing the freedom that comes from living life God's way. And oftentimes, over a season of these kinds of barriers being erected, we get to the fourth kind of barrier, which is the hardened heart, the stubborn heart, the rigid and angry and bitter heart the heart that becomes sarcastic in its self-talk and critical and cynical in its outlook. Now, the next reference is wrong on the screen. It's actually Proverbs 28:14, not Psalms 28:14. So don't get angry at me. Don't shut me down now. I'm just kidding. Blessed is the one who fears, reverences the Lord always, who sees God's way as the right way, sees God's truth as the whole truth and nothing but the truth. But whoever hardens his heart, whoever stubbornly resists what God says is the right path will fall into calamity. I want you to think of calamity as this. It's something that happens that's not good. And then it piles up with a whole bunch of things that aren't good. And it snowballs into what you and I would call a calamity. And so the picture here is someone who's not fearing the Lord. They're trusting their own heart. And as a result of that, hardening their heart against the will of God, the way of God, as it's explained in the Word of God, they fall into trouble after trouble after trouble until it snowballs into something that's a calamity. See, the Bible teaches us that we need a soft heart, not a hard heart. We need a vulnerable heart, not a hard heart. We need a surrendered heart, not a hard heart. And one of the biggest deceptions of the enemy is to get you to harden your heart to convince you that lying is better than being honest, that hating is better than forgiving, that controlling is better than surrendering, that anger is better than prayer. And we all so easily fall into this trap. Psalm 81, 11 and 12 says, But my people did not listen to my voice, so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts, to follow their own counsels, their own devices, their own choices, their own wisdom. Some of the saddest words in the Bible to read are these. 
But even worse than reading these is actually living these out. Where we resist God, we resist his ways, we, we resist his will, we resist the plan that he has for you and I to experience the best life we can in the midst of the broken world in which we find our ways. And when we keep doing that and we harden our stubborn hearts, finally God just says, okay, okay, you want it? You want control? Here you go. Let's see where it takes you. How's it working? Not well. You know, if you find yourself living this way, there's really only one way to clean out your heart because you can't clean it out. So you have to invite God in to clean it out for you. You've got to turn to him and you've got to ask him to forgive you and to cleanse you and make you a new person. You have to realize that when Christ died on that cross, he was dying for all the yuck that is in your heart. That he bore all of that sin, all of that hate, all of that spite, all of that bitterness, all of that resentment, all that's in your heart. He bore on the cross as payment for you. And then he rose from the grave to prove his payment was sufficient and to prove he can overcome the impact of sin and death inside your own soul. And that he can actually flush you out and make you new. Amen? So, this Thanksgiving, we need to choose to give thanks with a whole heart. Now, some of you probably came in here and you were like going, man, I sure hope we have some kind of lighthearted sermon to enter into Thanksgiving week. You know, and, and I'm sorry if I disappointed you. Um, I will say this, that I think most of us probably feel a little bit more tension in our lives when we get closer to the holidays with all the family stuff that goes on. Can I have, if that's true, just raise your hand, okay? And if you're not raising your hand, you're, you're either lying or, or you, you belong to the very best family and we'd like to be invited over so we have an excuse, you know, not to go to our families for Thanksgiving, right? Can I have an Amen. So all of you that didn't raise your hands, you guys go get them after the service. Tell them, tell them you'll bring the casserole. They provide the turkey. We need to make a choice. You know, it is commanded in Scripture. But even when things are commanded, you and I got to make a choice. We get to choose. We get to choose the destiny of our heart. It's a pretty powerful tool that's been put into your hands that you can invite God in to your heart, a heart surgeon, a friend, is the song we just sang, talked about. And so I'd like to just remind you that we are commanded, but what's so beautiful in Psalm 9, David chooses not to respond or give a command. He says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Not a part of my heart, not half of my heart. I'll go to every recess of my heart, and I'll find something there to be thankful for. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I'll make a list. I'm going to go back through them. I'm going to say thank you to God for all the things that he's done. I'm going to be glad. I'm going to choose to rejoice. I'm going to choose to exalt and magnify my relationship with you, Lord, I'm going to sing praise. I'm going to acknowledge that you are worthy 
of praise and honor and being lifted up. I recognize that your name is majestic, O Most High. And David makes this choice. Now, I want you to, if you, if you doubt how important this choice is at the beginning of the psalm, read the rest of it. He's hated. People are being afflicted and oppressed, and yet they're, they're being forgotten and forsaken. And He has all of these things. He has enemies in his camp. He's got all of this stuff coming at him. And in the midst of the most difficult of life circumstances, he's making a choice. He's tearing down the barriers that could be erected in his heart. And he's choosing to give thanks in a whole heart. So I have three applications for you guys this morning. And for me, um, don't ever think that this comes out without going through and uh, dealing with Mike's thankless heart and the barriers that are there. And so I want to challenge you with three um, applications, and I've called them gratitude challenges, okay? So if you'll take me up on these gratitude challenges, I, I would just love for maybe next um, week um, uh, for you to be able to give a testimony. I don't know if we're going to plan on doing testimonies. I doubt it, but just be ready in case we do. Just a one-sentence testimony that I did that gratitude challenge and it did this for my heart. So here's the first one. Write a gratitude letter to God. Just, and, and, and you may say, well, that's hard, Mike. I don't know where to start. Well, here, I'll just give you an idea. Just take and make a list of everything that's happened in your life that you can remember, good and bad. And then after you put all of those things down next to it, write something to be thankful for. I did this... Uh, and I've done this a number of times. And what I found out was on the bad things that, that had happened in my life, I, I now look back on those and I realize that he was doing something for good. That he was shaping me, that he was forging me, or, or that he was redirecting me. And just take time to just write him a letter of thanks, acknowledging that he's sovereign, that he's in control, that you don't want to be turned over to your own devices, your own wisdom, your own ways. You, you, you don't want to run the universe. You don't even want to run your own life. That you're thankful that he offers to give you the grace, that he offers to pour out the fullness of his spirit within you so that you can be led and directed and have the power and the strength to choose God's plan Every day, in every way, at all times. So that, that's gratitude challenge number one. Gratitude challenge number two, write a new narrative. Flip the script. Fill your mind with gratitude and good rather than disappointment and unmet expectations. You know, most of us write a narrative for the bad things that happen in our lives. And we write a script in our head that's predominantly negative, that assumes what people's motives were and ties it to their actions. And usually it creates the worst possible outcome of motives. And so what if you just flip the script? What if you just write a new narrative? What if it was something like this? I know that hurt people hurt people. So I got to wonder... What hurt did this person have that would cause them to be this hurtful? 
write a script that, that says, you know, I, I bet they're not even aware of how hurtful they are. I'm going to pray for them. Write a script that, that says, I, devil, I'm not buying into this. I, I've forgiven this person. I'm not picking this hurt back up. I'm leaving it right over there at the foot of the cross. And every time you come to me, I'm going to point to it. That I left it over there. That Jesus dealt with it. That I don't need to pick it back up. I don't need to run it back through my mind. I don't have to relive any of that. I don't have to because I gave it to Jesus. What's your script running in your head? What's the narrative you allow to play in your head? You're in control of it. It comes out of your heart. Invite God in there. Here, I got a suggestion for you. Write it down. Write the new script down. Put it on a piece of paper. Fold it up. Put it in your pocket. Take it with you. And every time in your family gatherings where they are challenging you to play your old narrative, get that thing out, run to the bathroom and read it. And if you make 10 trips, just tell them I'm not incontinent, okay? Just, just tell them you just, you just got to go. Like, don't explain what you got to go for. But do something to change the narrative in your head. Use scripture, phrases rich with scripture. Lord, I've chosen to forgive rather than to be bitter. Lord, I've chosen to love rather than hate. Lord, I've chosen to make peace rather than make war. Lord, I've chosen to be humble and take an insult, to turn the other cheek. Write a narrative, a new narrative. Flip the script. And then third, 10 people. I just Colton actually came up with the number. I, so I'm going with it. 10 people. Find 10 people that you could text or call or write this season and tell them thank you. God used you in my life. He did? Yeah, I've really never told you. Or maybe you have, but you've never explained how it all fits together. And let them know that God was at work in your life and that he used him or her for encouragement or stability or help or to start a profound turn in a new direction or to get you on a better path. And just, and just, you know, let them bask in the reality that you are so grateful for them and the way that they were surrendered to God and God used them. And if they are not surrendered to God, then what a great opportunity to witness about how God used them in your life. Amen? So take these gratitude challenges. Take them and put them into action this holiday season. In 1989, a series of revolutions in the Eastern Bloc countries, I think specifically Hungary and Poland, began to create a, a, a decimation of the Soviet Bloc countries. And by 1990, they were tearing down the wall. You guys remember Reagan's great speech where he stood at the wall? And I think he said, tear down that wall. And they, you, you, you've seen the videos, right, of them getting their sledgehammers and their pickaxes, and they're tearing down the wall. Tear down the wall. Let God in. God's truth, God's will, God's ways as revealed in his word. 
Invite the Holy Spirit in. Ask him to give you a grateful and thankful heart. Let's pray. God, thank you that you love us, that you will never abandon us or forsake us, that once we belong to you, Lord, you're going to keep working on us. So we just want to invite you afresh, Lord, into that work. And we give ourselves over to you fully so that you can do what you need to do with each of us at all times, in all ways. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This podcast was produced by Journey Bible Church in Olathe, Kansas. If you're interested in learning more about our church, visit journeybible.org. Thanks for listening.